And as they were afraid, and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Hello listeners, this is Nick from Scripture Central, and today's podcast addresses the question, Did Book of Mormon prophets know about Jesus Christ before his birth? Central to all of Christianity, ancient and modern, are the testimonies that Jesus Christ suffered and died for our sins, being crucified and then resurrected on the third day. According to the prophet Joseph Smith, the fundamental principles of our religion is the testimony of the apostles and prophets concerning Jesus Christ, that he died, was buried, and rose again the third day, and ascended up into heaven, and all other things are only appendages to these which pertain to our religion. As Christians read the Bible worldwide, it is impossible to avoid the significance of this greatest of all miracles. The Apostle Paul likewise saw this as the core message of the gospel. And if Christ be not risen, Paul wrote to the Corinthians, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Given the importance of such a miracle, it should come as no surprise that the earliest Christians were careful to ensure they left behind credible accounts of the resurrection as part of the canonical Gospels. As N.T. Wright and Michael F. Byrd observe, it is important to think historically about how the early traditions about the resurrection might have developed. By themselves, neither the empty tomb nor the resurrection appearances alone could have generated belief in Jesus' resurrection. Had there been no empty tomb, the post-death appearances of Jesus could have been more easily dismissed as visionary manifestations of his spirit or ghost. And had there been no appearance of Jesus to his disciples, the rumor that Jesus' body had been stolen would have provided a straightforward explanation for the empty tomb. Yet, when viewed together, these two crucial historical events, recorded in great detail in the New Testament Gospel accounts, provide a strong basis for belief. First, Wright and Bird note how the discovery of the empty tomb, as recorded in the four Gospels, is valuable evidence for the resurrection. The burial of Jesus and the discovery of the empty tomb they observed can be regarded as historically solid. While many victims of crucifixion did not receive a proper burial, Roman officials were known to release the bodies of condemned criminals to their families, particularly during festivals, and were probably inclined more often than not to support Jewish burial customs, to avoid further commotion. Such a detail is present in the Gospels, as seen when Joseph of Arimathea requested the body of Jesus during a Jewish festival, followed by Pilate allowing Jesus to be buried properly. The very mention of Joseph of Arimathea is also noteworthy. He was actually a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin, who, until this point in the Gospels, wasn't mentioned at all. Had the story of the burial and resurrection been invited at a later date, it is unlikely that a Jewish leader would have been mentioned in such a positive light, as he could have easily been swapped out for another, better-known disciple. The earliest rumors recorded in Matthew chapter 27 verse 64 about an empty tomb also give credibility to the account of the resurrection. Wright and Bird explain, if nobody had suggested such a thing prior to Matthew writing his gospel, it is difficult to imagine the Christians putting the idea into people's heads by making up tales that said they had. Such reports of theft were even still being told in the second century AD, which of course assumes that the tomb was empty and the body was not to be found. 
based on these details, scholars argue that the most credible conclusion is that the tomb was actually found empty. The most compelling witness to the resurrection, however, come from those who had personally seen the risen Jesus with their own eyes. Without these key witnesses, the empty tomb could be easily dismissed as fanciful. In each of the Gospel accounts, there is evidence that each reflects direct, eyewitness accounts of the discovery of the tomb and seeing the resurrected Lord. For instance, Wright and Bird note that each of these Gospel accounts remain scripturally unadorned. Had these New Testament accounts been invented at a later date, it is unlikely that they would not appeal to any number of Old Testament prophetic scriptures. Something else was shaping the narrative, a personal encounter to which witness was born, a witness which was thereby rooted in history. The wide breadth of witnesses is also telling. In addition to his own witness, Paul told the Corinthians that Peter, the twelve apostles, James, the brother of Jesus, and a group of 500 people had also seen and borne testimony that Jesus Christ was resurrected. Paul even noted that the greater part of the eyewitnesses remain unto this present, allowing those who doubted his experience to check with the still-living testators. In short, the resurrection was still in the living memory of the church and could not be dismissed without ignoring multitudes of people who had seen and heard the resurrected Savior for themselves. It is also significant that in the Gospel accounts, the very first witness to the resurrection were the faithful women who attended Jesus' tomb on Sunday morning. It was to these female disciples that the angel declared, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen, shortly to be followed by Jesus appearing to them personally. In the ancient world, women were viewed as unreliable witnesses and therefore could not offer a legally binding testimony. As such, it is implausible that a fabricated story in antiquity would rely on women as the key initial witnesses. Furthermore, a wide variety of beliefs about life after death existed in both Judaism and the wider Greco-Roman world. Each tradition accepted the existence of spirits or ghosts, yet the eyewitnesses make it clear that they did not simply have a visionary experience where the Spirit of Jesus came to them. Jesus himself addressed this concern when he asked his disciples, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. The apostles Matthew and John, themselves principal authors of the first and fourth books of the New Testament Gospels, were among those who saw the resurrected Jesus multiple times in Jerusalem, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, up in the designated mountain in Galilee, and at his ascension into heaven from the Mount of Olives between Jerusalem and Bethany. Their testimonies are sealed with apostolic authority based on repeated eyewitness experiences. In addition to having these important biblical witnesses, Latter-day Saints are blessed with even more witnesses of Jesus Christ's atonement and resurrection. In the Book of Mormon, a multitude of about 2,500 souls saw, heard, and touched Jesus on a full first day of his post-mortal ministry in the Americas. This multitude then spread the word so that on the following day when he appeared again, the multitude was so great that they did cause that they should be separated into twelve bodies. Jesus would again minister unto the twelve whom he had selected, and, three centuries later, unto the prophet, record-makers, Mormon, and Moroni.
Other witnesses of the resurrection appear in modern times. Joseph Smith saw God the Father and his son Jesus Christ in the sacred grove, and Christ appeared on at least 10 occasions to a total of at least 23 other people in Kirtland, Ohio. The reality of the Lord's resurrection has continuously been declared by the Latter-day Prophets and Apostles of Jesus Christ unto the entire world. Because of the many reports given of the atonement and resurrection of Jesus Christ, people everywhere can joyously recognize and embrace their powerful and eternal consequences which benefit the entire human family. As President Dallin H. Oaks taught, the resurrection gives us the perspective and the strength to endure the mortal challenges faced by each of us and those we love. It gives us a new way to view the physical, mental, or emotional deficiencies we have at birth or acquired during mortal life. It gives us the strength to endure sorrows, failures, and frustrations. Because each of us has an assured resurrection, we know that these mortal deficiencies and oppositions are only temporary. Knowledge of the resurrection gives people the reason for the hope that is in you. The prophet Abinadi taught, And if Christ had not risen from the dead, there could have been no resurrection. But there is a resurrection, therefore the grave hath no victory. And the sting of death is swallowed up in Christ, swallowed up in the hopes of his glory. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the promise of resurrection is guaranteed to all of God's children. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us hope. It is the reason that we can have hope even as we face challenges and trials. Because of the resurrection, we can see our loved ones again. The parent who has a lost child. The child who has lost their parents. Those who have never known their ancestors. All of these will be able to have the hope of a future, joyous reunion with them and the Lord in a future day. Ultimately, the hope of the resurrection is one of peace and joy, with no more sorrow. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. Such is the promise of the Savior Jesus Christ. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Thank you for listening to this presentation from Scripture Central. For more information, please visit scripturecentral.org.